This is Sermon Smith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first interview of 2016, although I'll just, I just got to say this right now. This was recorded before Christmas last year, and there's even a reference. A lot of you will not care about this, but some of you will care a great deal. There's even a reference to whether or not Peyton Manning would play again. And I just got to say, we're right on the heels of Peyton Manning coming in in the game and leading the Broncos to the first playoff seed. So uh, there was pain when Peyton Manning was mentioned on my part, and there is joy now. Today's interview is with Matt Woodley, the aforementioned mentioner of Peyton Manning. Matt is the editor of PreachingToday.com, and he's also on the preaching team and on staff at Church of the Resurrection in the Chicago area. Matt has been a longtime preacher, probably has certainly in the top handful of people we've had so far in terms of his experience, and it was great to hear all of his learnings after spending 20 years as someone who preached week to week versus what he is doing now. So I hope you'll glean a lot from this one. I certainly did as much as about the heart of sermon prep as the process of sermon prep. As we're moving into the new year, I uh, just want to invite you once again, if you're interested in helping to keep the podcast going, you could go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash sermonsmith, where you can pledge to support based on the number of interviews that are done, uh, doing two a month right now. So you could factor that in, patreon.com slash sermonsmith. Thanks to those of you who have already supported the show that way. All that said, let's move on to Matt Woodley from Church of the Resurrection. Let's jump in. I'm with Matt Woodley, who is uh, might be known to many of you listeners as being the editor at Preaching Today, but also still an active preacher in his own right. Can I say that? Can I say you're an active preacher? Are you active? I am an active preacher in my own right. <laughs> I got uh, a lot of sermon preaching coming up this year, so... Yeah. Yep. I'm active. So tell us, uh, just for that context, tell us about, uh, where you do the preaching that you do. Yeah. So I'm at, uh, church of the resurrection, uh, which is a Anglican church in, um, Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, it's a church of about maybe 11, 1200, something like that. Um, and we definitely use the senior pastor is Stuart Ruck. Um, and, uh, Nobody at that church preaches a lot. There's yeah. a preaching team, and probably nobody preaches more than 24 times a year. Um, so um, I'll be doing probably – I'm doing a major sermon series this summer. Uh, I'm preaching in January, February. Actually, I'm preaching a couple times in January, February, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we use about five, six different people as part of the team, and it really gets spread out over a lot of people, so nobody gets uh, exhausted. Nobody's the superstar. Um, some disadvantages to that, but I, I think there's a lot more advantages than disadvantages. Yeah, sure. How is your time split between working at the church and versus working for Preaching Today? Yeah, I'm the missions pastor at the church, and that's basically a uh, full-time gig, Um so basically, that's like five days okay, um, okay. and uh, probably about, you know, 45 hours a week. And then at uh, uh, Christianity Today, where I'm editor of PreachingToday.com, that's about another uh, 12, 12, 13 hours a week as well. So that's like a day and a half. So the so, church gig is your gig. That's my main gig. Yeah, that's my yeah. Main gig. I, I did the Preaching Today thing uh, full time for four years. And so your, your background is not Anglican, is it? 
No, I was actually, um, I went to a Baptist seminary, went to Bethel Seminary, yeah. got my MDiv. Um, then I pastored two United Methodist churches, although the first United Methodist church was not really United Methodist church because they were so, they were, it was a real rural church and real feisty and were like, considered themselves very independent from the United Methodist denomination. I actually put this out of their name. Um, and, uh, but, and then the, uh, then I pastored a church out on Long Island for nine years called the Three Village Church, which was an independent kind of a community Bible-based uh, church uh, out by Stony Brook, New York. So, uh, so focusing then on where you are now, like how, how does the role of preaching in the Anglican church you're in now differ from your prior experiences? Yeah, that's a great question, really. Um, well, we're a liturgical church, and so we call ourselves a, a, a three-streams church is what the, the name we use in terms of worship, which has a lot to do with where, how preaching fits in. So the three streams would be uh, liturgical slash sacramental. That's mm-hmm. one stream. Um, so we definitely have uh, a set liturgy and uh, with a lot of flexibility with the music and times for, you know, flexibility, depending on how the Spirit's leading. So liturgical sacramental would be one. Um, openness to the Holy Spirit would be two. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't I, – I don't mind the word charismatic and we don't mind that word or Pentecostal. We think those are great words. We respect people from that tradition. But um, – we don't like to use those words. We just say we're just open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our worship. And then third is evangelical. Uh, and under that kind of stream, we believe really strongly in the, the preaching of the Bible um, and expository preaching. And so our sermon will be about – our sermon is about 20 – well, it's, it's 25 to 30 minutes is yeah. the sermon. Okay. Uh, about half the time we're on the lectionary, half the time we're not on the lectionary. We're doing like a uh, a series on some biblical book. Um, and the to me, I find this a strength. Um, but to me, the main difference is when I was preaching at Three Village Church, um, we did not celebrate the Lord's Supper as often. Hmm. And so basically the last thing was the sermon. And the main thing was the sermon, right. you know. And, and I, I'm not opposed to that. I think that's that's great. But now you have the you have the sermon and you have the the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper becomes a very important part of the the, the service. So we talk about word and sacrament, the, the worship, the ministry of word and sacrament, that the word is preached and then people experience the presence of the Lord also through Eucharist, Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, whatever you want to call it. And so um, it takes it takes uh, some pressure off the preacher. Um, and I don't think any of our preachers um, uh, therefore use it as an excuse to like not do quality, not do exegesis or right. any of that. It just it takes it, the the preacher that the preaching is not the not let's see it gets put into a little larger context. Let's put it that way. Okay, still very important, still uh, incredibly important for the life of the church. But there's other stuff going on besides the sermon. Uh, we, um, golly, I, it's been a few years and I'll be somewhat vague, but we had someone visit our church a few times and we followed the liturgical calendar. So they visited our church during, uh, the Easter season. And, you know, after a few times, and I know this, a lot of this came out of the tradition they visited from, but, uh, after a few times they said, you know, we feel like there needs to be more, more focus on cross and sinfulness. And we're going to, so we're going to go find a church that does that more. And I, I remember feeling bad about that. And then I realized, wait, I, we do Eucharist 
every Sunday, <laughs> you know, and yeah. we say those same words. So all that to say, yeah. I, I understand the sense of, yeah, like to recognize I don't have to be the primary piece of what anybody's going to get out of this service and certainly yeah. take it seriously at the same time. Yeah, and it's amazing um, when you look at some of the Eucharistic prayers, the ancient Eucharistic prayers from the church, which we basically are using in, in our worship services. You, um, I had somebody kind of line it up with each each line of the liturgy and then biblical references for each of those lines. Hmm. And it, it is amazing how much scripture pretty much uh, – this either the scriptural story or exact phrases from scripture are in that that our Sunday morning Lord's Supper prayer, you know. So it's, yeah. it's basically the scripture. It's just another way to get the scripture and the story of scripture and especially the life, death, resurrection of Jesus into people's hearts and minds. Right. Well, um, so you mentioned already a little bit that you spend some time during the year in lectionary and then some time out of it. How's that? How's that breakdown occur and how do you – uh, like, what's the process look like for planning out sermon series outside of lectionary? Yeah. So obviously during the the kind of the major big kind of season type things like Lent, Advent, Easter season, we're always in lectionary. Yeah. Um, always, you know. Um, but then like um, uh, in the summer, we're actually our senior pastors asked me to plan a um, a book uh, series and expository preaching series for the summer, probably uh, like a six to eight week series. I'll, I won't preach all of it, but he would like me to um, come up with the uh, the book and the the texts and the sermon themes and all that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking about either doing First Timothy or uh, the Book of Ecclesiastes. Wildly different, but um, sure. <laughs> I'm excited about both those books. But um, and. Um, so, yeah, and so in the fall, uh, we may do another um, expository series. We've done like a five-week series on um, like a stewardship series because we're in the middle of a big camp cap capital campaign. So that was actually called Moved by Jesus. That was a five-part series pretty much out of Matthew 9, um, exploring Matthew 9 from different angles, um, trying to think what else we've done. We've done a few topical series, but not, not very many. We don't do very many of those. We've done like one on relationships and things like that, but usually it's some kind of, um, expository series around either a book or a theme. And then when you're using the lectionary, is it kind of up to whoever's preaching each week to choose a text? Or do you all say, hey, let's all do gospel for Lent or anything like that? Yeah, we usually do uh, gospel for like Advent and Lent um, mm -hmm. and usually do the gospel text. Um, but sometimes we will do the epistle or sometimes we'll do Old Testament. But we usually uh, try to assign those like, OK, whoever's preaching, this is this is the text you're going to use, you know? Um, and then beyond that, we don't give a whole lot of focus, you know? Um, right. because I don't know, I just feel like I never know where the text, the sort of the God through the text is going to lead me for that particular week. So sure. I can't like say eight, eight weeks from now, this should be your big idea for this text, you know? Um, so anyway, that's kind of the way we approach it. So talk about, you've mentioned the, we talk about the, we like who, who are the people who participate both in the preaching and in terms of like mapping all of this out? Yeah. Well, we used to have a guy on staff named Kevin Miller, who's now, uh, back at Christianity today, who mm -hmm. used to, was kind of our main guy for that. And so he's gone. So, um, so what we do is we have a preaching, uh, planning team, 
which includes pretty much all the preachers. So I'm trying to think how many people are on that. There's like, there's probably like six or seven people on that. Um, And so we usually, okay, this is probably, let me give you a a typical scenario. Uh, I think the new reality will look something like this is that um, the post Kevin world, the post Kevin world, the PK world. Yeah. Um, Stuart Ruck, our senior pastor, will come and say, okay, we're doing a um, – uh, he'll come with a, like a really rough sketch, okay? And then he'll say, what do you guys think? Uh, let's beat it up. Let's pass it around. Um, let's improve upon this. Let's get it more detailed. And then um, – so then he'll get it refined um, and in that kind of team process. Well, that, that our preaching team meetings always include training. First, before we get into the actual scheduling, we'll always do some kind of training piece about half an hour. So last time he asked me to do a training on the ladder of abstraction and what that has to do with preaching and moving up down the ladder of abstraction and especially in your illustrating and going from abstract concepts to concrete examples of that abstract concept and how to do that and why you should do that and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, so we did a half hour teaching on that and then we got into probably an hour of just digging into his rough idea and um kind of refining that and getting that and then um and then from there he would take it and uh, usually um so this is probably we're trying to ideally we'd like to be 2 3 months out ahead of time um and then he would uh, assign preachers you know so um again nobody really preaches a lot yeah. um he probably preaches even less than half the time. Um, he preaches about half the time. And I probably am the next, uh, take the next biggest chunk. And then there's probably, and then we're also having younger, uh, younger guys preach. Yeah. Um, and every time they get coaching, they get coaching before the sermon and they get coaching in between services yeah. <laughs> on that Sunday morning. And then they get coaching after the service. So, um, so we're trying to do some kind of like consistent, it's not like super long, um, but, or super detailed, but trying to get some, some coaching before, during and after the and message. Th- and much. they're part of these, all these other meetings as well, right? Yeah. They're yeah. there too as well. Yeah. 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 Great. Okay. So well, the coaching is becoming more and more important to us. We're finding that that's just really important to get pre-coaching, post-coaching, yeah. specific, consistent, and um, that's the only way we're going. And I get that. Stuart gets that. Everybody gets that. That's beautiful. I mean, I feel like one of the common things I've heard from people giving me feedback on the podcast is even that they haven't really had much coaching or, mm. you know, firsthand somebody alongside them. So it's been helpful for them to hear processes. But, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I think there need to be more places. It's an art, right? It's an art that needs to be passed on and apprenticed and uh, makes a lot of sense to do that. Well, you're never done either. You know, sure. like I said, sure. Stuart, Stuart's coming to me on Thursday and getting coaching for his sermon, you know, and he's the senior pastor. Um, and then, you know, in between, in between services, you know, Stuart will come up to me and say, yeah, that second point was just really too long. You know, you just kind of belabored that. And, um, you know, here's a couple of things you did really well. Do that again. Or even just you had that illustration. It was it was really good. It was really funny. I think you should just even expand that a little bit, you know, but but that was way too long. Or you lost me there. And so just tweak it, you know. So um, anyway, all that's just super helpful. I understand uh, um, Peyton Manning used to like uh, I think he still does. He would like uh, 
review all the game film and especially review his interceptions, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, he wanted to take a careful look at all of his interceptions, see what he could have done differently, how he could have improved on that. So, yeah, total, pre- preachers, coaching, reviewing, learning, its that's really important. You're, you're hurting me a little bit here because I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan, and you're talking about Peyton Manning in the past tense. <laughs> I, I, I don't want him to be done. So. <laughs> I, you look, man, I think he's... I think his days are done. Okay, I'm afraid of it, but we got to move on quickly. (laughs) Brock Brock Osweiler, yes, he's doing okay, but I mean, Peyton's Peyton's Peyton. Uh, I know. Sorry. Okay. All right. Let me get a tissue here, real quick. And no. (laughs) Well, all right. Well, let's talk about what's that. You want to pause and pray for him? (laughs) I've already sacrificed a few goats, so yeah, I think I think he'll be okay. Um, okay. Let's talk about your process then. Uh, you know, once once a text has been assigned, if you know you have a series coming up, maybe that'll be different. You know, or you're, at least if you're mostly lectionary, it sounds like you're mostly doing a text based approach. So, why don't you walk us through what your timeline looks like? How many weeks out do you start, and how does all that look? Yeah, yeah, I've I've really changed a lot. So I told you um, before we were talking. I told you I was preached regularly. I was the senior pastor for 22 years. I took four years off of preaching. Now I've come back into preaching and I, I really take a very different approach now, you know, hmm. so here, here's my approach. Here's my kind of my system. And this is why I love like not having to preach like 12 weeks in a row. Okay. Right. So I, I realize that's, it's kind of a luxury. So, um, not every guy can do this and not every preacher can do this, but, um, um, I usually get my, I usually get two to three weeks. So I start right away. And what I do is I go on to BibleGateway.com and yeah. I get my text. I take out the verses. I take out the headings. I print it out. I put wide margins. And all I do is I just sit with the text for like the first week. I don't look at a commentary. Um, you know, I don't look at any Bible dictionaries. I just sit with the text, you know. Um, I read it. Uh, sometimes I memorize parts of it. I pray it. Um, I just, I take notes in the margins, I circle words, you know, but I'm not like doing like super in depth word studies, you know, I just want to, I guess you could call it Lexio Divina, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just sitting with the text and praying with it, uh, wrestling. Usually I'm struggling with how I am, how I'm trying to get this text into my life, you know? It's like, Lord, it's like, I'm usually kind of excited about it. And then I'm kind of like, oh man, but I got to, Lord, you need to help me with this too. You know, I'm not, so I'm always like the text is pre the, the spirit through the text is preaching to me before I preach to anybody else. That's super important to me. And then I will go to probably, um, I try to go to, uh, and then by that point, I'm, I'm getting an outline. I'm getting a big idea. I'm getting an exegetical big idea. I'm getting a, a homiletical big idea. Something's starting to form. Something's starting to take shape. I may have an outline in my head uh, at that point without even really trying. It's just coming, you know, yeah. it's just simple text. Um, and then I'll start, I'll go to some commentaries uh, and I try to get different kinds of commentaries, some more really exegetical, some more kind of big picture commentaries. I'll read those, get some more ideas. Um, but sometimes lately I don't even, I don't even go to the commentaries, you know, cause it's just like, 
the you know just getting the context getting how it fits into the big picture of scripture it's like i got enough information just by sitting with the text and the context you know um so and then i will literally write on the top of the page um i'll write on the top of the page um exegetical or exegetical big idea preaching big idea um uh well, i'll start with a theme big ideas and then, um, and then notes. Okay. So I will literally write out my big idea, um, and get that to about 10, 10, 10 words. And this is pen and paper we're talking about. Got to use pen and paper. Yeah, Gotta okay. get, it's not, that's not good enough in my head. Um, so I, just to me, I just, I got to write it down, yeah. you know, and that's like, okay, that's what I want to say. That's my big idea. I've just found the big idea just really, really, uh, really helpful to me, um, helping me focus. And then what I'll do is I just start typing. I just, number one, boom, I'll just type kind of like, these are all my thoughts about this. Number two, boom, these are all my thoughts about this. And then I have like a page full of uh, 26 different thoughts, you know. Hmm. Uh, that I've been thinking about, chewing about, meditating on, maybe some exegetical things, maybe illustration ideas. And then then it's basically like, okay, I got 26 pieces to a puzzle. Okay, I'm going to take idea number seven. I think I'll start with that. And then I'm basically just like, I got these pieces of a puzzle and I'm just moving, arranging stuff. And then by the time I get done with that, I got a rough draft. And is this uh, cut and pasting in like a Word document now? That's it. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um um, so yeah, then, then I'm, um, I used to write com complete manuscripts, flawless, complete manuscripts, you know, that you could, that were ready for publishing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, perfect grammar, perfect, incredible, some incredibly well-crafted sentences, you know, um, and I, I've kind of gotten away from that. I will just do a detailed outline. That's good. That's actually, I find that good enough. And actually I find it better. And then I don't tie myself into knots about trying to come up with this flawless manuscript. Um, and I feel a little more freedom when I'm preaching. So there, that's, that's basically what I do. So when you, uh, and, and see, now I'll pick my way back through all that. Um, yeah, when sure. You, I'll work backwards. So when you talk about doing more of just like a detailed outline, like how many pages does it end up being for 25 oh, to 30 uh, minutes? Probably four or five pages. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so that's pretty mean? detailed. You mean my my all my random thoughts that I do? No, like, like the final outline. The final outline, yeah. Oh, oh, that's more like, um, yeah. Well, even that that'll be about three, four pages. But then I try to back it up into two half sheets with just uh, yeah. with notes on there. So, so I'm I'm preaching from an even less detailed outline. So back in the day, did you bring yeah. the full manuscript up to the pulpit with you, or have no, you always? I never did that. Okay, you've always carved it down. Yeah, I never did that. Yeah, I always chopped it down. All right. And so uh, you also, uh, I've got the big question I want to circle back to. So I'll, I'll deal with the practical questions. Yeah. Sometimes you do commentary, sometimes not. But do you feel like a lot of that is you just have, do you feel like a lot of that is just things that you recall from preaching for 22 years come to you about yeah. the text and you, you're I, a walking I commentary now? <laughs> I think that is part of it. I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have been able to do that. My first uh, 10 years of preaching right. You're you're absolutely right about that. I mean, I, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of the passages or books of the Bible. I've done a lot of background work on, um, 
in terms of context and all that kind of stuff. So all that's kind of in my head. So it's like, I don't need to reread that again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, when you do go to commentaries or you feel like you have a gap, what are your, what are some of your favorites? You have series or you do it by book? Uh, yeah, I pretty much, I pretty much do it by book. I don't yeah. think I have, um, yeah, I, it's pretty much by book. Um, I think I got a different, different, probably different, couple different commentaries from different series for every book of the Bible. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. I, so I'm interested in this ideas part. I'm interested in the you just sit down and you just start typing all of those ideas. Uh, one of the things that I find is I feel like my sermon prep happens, and I'm bivocational, and so that's that's a factor too. But I feel, you know, I've never been the one, I don't have the, maybe I don't have the patience for it. I don't know. I've never really been the one who can sit down and just hammer out all of my thoughts and make sense out of them in one sitting. And I find that, you know, about 50 to 70% of my non, you know, reference work, scripture study ideas come out of just while I'm on the go. Like I'll, I'll grab an idea while I'm wrestling with my son or grilling. And sure. so, but it sounds like your process is really, you're able to just sit down. Is this, are these ideas that have been percolating in the back of your mind? Or are these like, as you sit down, they're just coming to you and you're capturing them as fast as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Let me clarify that. No, they don't just come to me. Just like I sit down and boom, they just like 26 right there. 26 points. (laughs) No, when I'm, when I'm spending that week or sometimes two weeks, just sort of sitting with the text, I'm making lots of notes, you know? Um, So I'm reading it over probably, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 times I'm reading it. And every time I read it, I come up with an idea or two. And so I jot down some, um, kind of bare bones, uh, uh, thoughts about that, which I can develop later. Right. You know? Um, so I'm just trying to think of like a sermon I preached on recently. Um, that was, um, this was more, that was actually more, I did preach the sermon on the priesthood of all believers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I also preached on like, let's say for instance, uh, Romans, uh, 15, you know, Romans 14 and 15, um, basically about, um, you know, um, not judging your brother for non-essential Christian practices. So that was actually a pretty long chunk of text yeah, that I was is. given. So, um, I couldn't preach on all of it, but I could basically, it was kind of a expository overview, you know, but so basically I'm just, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking of ideas, I'm seeing connections, I'm seeing phrases that Paul uses two or three times. I'm, you know, so I'm jotting down ideas. And so then when I kind of sat down to do that kind of just kind of free association of thoughts about the text, I, I already had a lot of them kind of percolating over the last couple of weeks. And when you're getting all those ideas, is it, and you're writing them down, is that just on that same sheet of paper that you have all the scripture printed out on? No, no, that's a different, I start a, start a fresh sheet. Yeah. So start a fresh sheet. I always start with my, yeah, and this is this kind of, I start with my text at the top. I start with my, where I'm going to preach it, what day I'm going to preach it on, you know, and then over, then I put that in the middle and then over the side go exegetical, big idea preaching big idea, yeah. uh, theme, 
And then here's some thoughts about that. And then I call it, you know, thoughts about the text. And then I just kind of start free associating about all my thoughts, every, anything I've learned about that text over the last week or two. And if one of them comes to you where you're grilling and you don't want to forget it, what do you do? Oh, that's a good one. Or while you're uh, driving or whatever. You just hope you remember? I hope I, hope I remember. Yeah. Sometimes I carry a little notebook. Yeah, uh, I yeah. carry a little notebook and, and I'll just jot down. Yeah, I usually – actually, a lot of times I do that. I'll have a little notebook. It's about maybe uh, – can you see that? Yeah, maybe okay. like uh, four by six. Well, you a little know? pocket notebook, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so I'll just – and I have a little sermon notes going for that sermon. And so I'll just uh, – a little jot down a little thought about that that I can come back to later and expand on. So I went to a Christian college undergrad in the early nineties. You have a couple years on me, I do believe. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, you have a few. Uh, but I remember in my homiletics courses there, you know, they just talked about, and I think you know some of this came from John MacArthur or or whoever just talked about you know be relentless about capturing illustrations and filing them away and talking about filing systems for that. Is that something that you've done? Is that something you still like, you still have all of your old sermons that you ever draw on, or do you feel like you just start fresh every time? Yeah. Um, well, as far as illustrations, I, I don't need them cause I go to preaching today.com. So. <laughs> there you go. Okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to what, that. <laughs> you know what's funny is that, um, I've written like half of those illustrations, so it's not like I'm I, using my illustrations. So. I just want to promise everybody I did not try to set you up for that. <laughs> this was not a prearranged script. <laughs> no, that's funny. Sorry for that shameless softball, but that's what I softball do. toss. It's so, <laughs> seriously what I do. I'm yeah, being fair, honest. fair. So, um, yeah, I I do keep all my old sermons. Um, I actually like I'm so old school. I. I do have them filed on my computer, but I print them out and I put them in a file too, yeah. you know? So, um, but I've always found that, um, sermons get, my sermons get stale really quick, you know? So yeah. it's like, ugh, you know, I just preached that one a year ago. I, so I can take them out and I can give them a, I got to give them a really pretty good going over. I can't like just take it as is and use it. Um, cause I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like this is part of my philosophy of preaching. It's so, so much about preaching is, this text for this group of people in this particular point of time in our life together as a community and this time in my life as, as a follower of Jesus, you know? So obviously there's timeless truths in there. I'm not saying that, uh, scripture is, is timeless. So, but, but it just, uh, there's something about preaching that I just think has all those dynamic yeah. Yeah. factors that are now that are in the moment, you know? Um, that you can't really recreate when you do it in another church three months from now. Yeah. Well, you said, I'll set this question up. I'll ask this question two ways, I guess. You said that um, you're going to be preaching this summer a series. Yeah. And of course, you know, you said that you used to preach almost every Sunday for 22 years. I don't get the sense you want to go back to that. No. But if you were... How how would this preaching process that you described and all of that rumination really, how do you think you'd try to incorporate that in? Or when you're doing that series this summer where you've got to do three or four or five in a row, whatever it might be, how will that affect how you're able to do that process? Yeah, well, see, again, being part of the preaching team, mm -hmm. I don't have the whole piece, you know, I just have a, I have a piece of this whole pie that everybody's doing. So 
I'm actually starting to think about that sermon series for this summer right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm starting to do, um, you know, I'm starting to do some work on first Timothy, you know, uh, with the possibility of preaching on first Timothy. Now I talked to our senior pastor, Stuart, he's like, Oh man, I want to be there when you preach on first Timothy two eleven through 15 with, uh, the women in church thing. Right. <laughs> It's like, well, don't you trust me? I, no, he does trust me, but he's kind right. of like, he wants to know what I'm going to say and he wants to see it live. So um, anyway, so I'm just starting, I'm starting to do some work on that right now. Um, just starting to, again, I did the same thing. I printed out the whole book, no verses, you know, no headings, no chapter divisions, and I'm just reading it. Um, seeing some themes, actually seeing some themes that really surprised me. Um, and just sort of letting it kind of soak into my life. Um, and, uh, and now I'm starting to think about how I could do a six to eight week series on that, how I could divide it up. Um, that I'll do the whole thing. I'm actually going to do probably half of that, but I have to outline the whole thing. Right. So I have to outline the text and, um, you know, a general idea of focus themes for each uh, message. Um, yeah, so I have to pick the book, outline the sermons, divide up the, the text, and then get, get a theme. And why does the church not do lectionary all the way through year-round? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I think the lectionary, I, I really like the lectionary. Um, I mean, as you know, you know, I mean, it's basically a three-year cycle mm-hmm. through basically almost the whole Bible, you know? Um so it's a pretty cool division. It's really well thought through and um, pretty cool. But um, I think it sometimes it um, sometimes it skips around. Sometimes it it doesn't do like uh, whole books. Sometimes it's like like let's say um, I mean I don't always want to preach about uh, from the Gospels, you know. Um, and then sometimes the Old Testament readings or the New Testament epistle readings don't really necessarily fit where the church is at, or maybe there's like. It doesn't just really let you go really deeper into a certain section of scripture that your church really needs for this this season of the yeah. year. So I think it always fits, you know, during Lent and Advent. It just fits really well in certain other seasons, you know, the Easter season. But Epiphany, I think it's great. But sometimes it just doesn't always fit where your church is at. Um, so we just do a little improv on that. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I, I've talked to a number of people who do this. We actually do the same thing here. So I was just curious mm. what reasoning was behind it for you. Well, if I can, if I can press into this a little bit, uh, go ahead. Uh, press. A, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are, um, I'm 45. A lot of people who listen to this podcast would fall into the age ranges younger than me. I mean, I know there's a lot of young preachers. And so I, I would love to glean a little wisdom from you if we could, uh, Especially when you talk about how you preached for 22 years and took a break. Like I said, there's a story there, but yeah, like what, what led to saying I'm done with preaching and then coming back to it? Or what, what, are, what are parts of that that you feel like you could share that could be helpful for others who are trying to make a long-term go of it? Sure. That's, that's a great question. Um, one of the things I realized when I was preaching for 22 years um, and I, I wouldn't lay this on everybody, like everybody is struggling with the same things that I was, maybe people are more spiritually mature than I was, you know, but I know for me, um, I felt like after 22 years, um, my, and preaching like regularly, like 45 times a year, um, 
I just couldn't handle that um, in the, in this sense. I felt like I was starting what I was preaching from the pulpit. Uh, my life was not keeping up. My life was not keeping pace with the words I was saying. Um, there was a, a growing gap. Um, and part of that was my own uh, spiritual immaturity. Part of that was things I just needed to focus on in my own life. Um, and um, uh, so part of it was that. But then part of it was... Uh, just the whole process of every week you're for half an hour, you're saying something really profound and really true and really right about scripture, but your life hasn't had a chance to integrate that, you know, because uh, there's so many, think of all the topics we preach about, you know, um, yeah. you know, we're preaching on forgiveness, we're preaching on, you know, sexual purity, we're preaching on generosity, we're preaching on sacrificial love, we're preaching on ministry of the poor, blah, 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 you know, all these topics. It's like, how can anybody possibly like be a master at all those topics, you know? Um, and so anyway, I just felt like I, w I was pretty, actually pretty authentic and vulnerable and honest, I felt like in my preaching. I don't really have any regrets to that, but I just felt like there was just too much stuff. I just like couldn't keep up, you know, uh, especially with week after week after week. And so that was, um, that was one issue for me, mm -hmm. um, was to just let, and I, I feel like when I took, when I took, started that, I actually resigned from my church on Long Island that I was pastoring. And, um, I felt like the Lord really gave me a, a very specific word. I felt like he spoke to me in a very personal way. And he said, I'm giving you a break so you can start living all the things you're preaching. Mm -hmm. You know, um, again, I don't think everybody needs a four year break. Um, but I did, I did. And I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of my preaching development. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I just got quiet and learned and became a learner again. Um, and not the expert week after week after week. Um, so, um, and then secondly, I, the other thing I realized is just how much of my ego and my security and my identity was wrapped up in successful preaching, you know? Hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's like people come because they like the preacher. They don't like the preacher. People feel like they connect with the Lord because of the preaching, or maybe they don't connect with the Lord because of the preaching, you know? And so whether that's right or wrong, it just kind of, it kind of is. And so I put an awful lot of pressure on myself and um, I just think a lot of my way too much identity, significance, ego was wrapped up in preaching, um, you know. So and I, I knew that because before the pre before the sermon, I was just like put so much pressure on myself, you know. And then after the sermon, I put so much pressure on myself, um, you know, analyzing it. What did I do wrong? How, how, or either like, Oh man, I just like knocked that one out of the park. I was amazing, you know? Um, and, or I just beat myself up or whatever, you know? So I, I feel like now I just feel like, I mean, I still struggle with that stuff sometimes, but it's just like, I just feel like so little of my ego and my identity is invested in Matt, the preacher, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can just let it go and just like, I'm doing the best I can. Lord, I listened to you. I trusted you and, and I offered it up to you. And now, 
boom, let's move on and you do the work. You know, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent there, but just way more there than I used to be. So those are a couple lessons I've learned in sort of the, my kind of time off and then coming back into preaching. How how are your sermons different than they were 10 years ago? You know, um, I think there, um, couple things. That's a really good question. Again, by the way, um, they're, I think they're more simple. They're mm-hmm. just, um, I don't try to do as much as I used to try. Don't try to pack in as much as I used to, you know, I think the theme is just a, a little more simple, clear, um, and not so much information dump content dump. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. Um, I think also there's a, um, in a more spiritual sense, though, I think there's much more of a, um, well, somebody has used the phrase, the authority of those who have suffered, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So when you talk about something that's true and you're really eloquent and really articulate and maybe even really funny and really moving and all that kind of stuff, but people, you can tell, people can tell that you've really kind of scratched the surface on that, you know? Um, and you haven't really suffered with that, you know? Um, so I think, and I don't say this, you know, boastfully because I, the Lord did this and he had to strip everything out of my life and knock me over the head with a two by four, you know? So it wasn't like I did this or I achieved this, but I think there's a real authority to my preaching, um, that comes from a real work that God has done in my life through uh, brokenness and through just humbling me and stripping everything away from me uh, for that season. So I think that's probably the biggest difference that I notice. That sounds like a pretty big difference. <laughs> that's, that's pretty huge. It's, yeah. There's a real freedom in that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm writing down right now authority that comes through brokenness. Cause I love that. Yeah, that's just something to think about for a while. Um, well, why don't you take a, a I, I don't know what time you have to go. I know we're might be pushing it here, but why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on at preaching today? Uh, sure, sure. Um, so uh, preaching dot com has been around for about 25 years. Yeah. Um, and we have um, we feature sermons and we preach feature a weekly preaching skills article. And uh, 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 and then we have, um, I think by far the best database of sermon illustrations ever, you know, so um, that you wrote apparently <laughs> <laughs> now that does sound arrogant. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, I didn't write all of them. Um, so, um, and I didn't start preaching today. So, and I didn't build it to what it was. So I'm just kind of like honored to just kind of maintain it and try to grow it. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, we try to get a lot of stuff, just really contemporary, fresh illustrations from sources that you may not expect, you know? So, um, we rarely, we do get illustrations from like Christian authors and all that kind of stuff. We also try to get like New York times, LA times, you know, Atlantic, you know, um, celebrities who say things. I love to find celebrities, really bad people who say some really amazingly true things. Mm-hmm. I love, those are like my favorite yeah. illustrations. Oh, yeah. like. Jennifer Lopez saying something like profoundly true about um, relationships or something like that. You know, I love those kind of illustrations because um, all truth is God's truth. So, um, so anyway, um, 
Yeah. So um, in the last couple of years, we've tried to um, uh, get the site uh, much more diversified in terms of like uh, racial, ethnic composition, you yeah. know. So uh, we're still we're still working on getting some more female preachers on there. So we, we got to grow in that because I, I think no matter what your view, uh, what, what people's view is ordination are, there's definitely some women out there that are great preachers. Um, and um, so anyway, um, we, we're trying to just do stuff that will just encourage, inspire, train, equip um, preachers and, and pastors in their role as a preacher, in particular as their role of, as a preacher. And so, um, you know, I just I feel like after preaching for 25 years and um, now I'm just I, I coach other preachers and I just actually love that role. I actually like that better as much or more than preaching. I just like just seeing other people become the preachers God meant them to be. I think that I find a lot of fun in that. Um, so I guess we consider ourselves kind of an equipper and a coach and a inspirer of um, just good, uh, primarily expository preaching that meets people's, speaks to people's head and heart and um, changes lives. So that's what we're really after. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, I appreciate that. I've certainly seen a handful of articles even come across Twitter that I'm like, I, I got to go read that. Uh, one of the previous guests on here, AJ Swoboda. I know you've had him write a few oh, articles yeah, on AJ, this. Good guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, um, and he listens to this. So AJ, you're, uh, you know, I'm not, AJ, I'm not trying to give you a shout out, but hi AJ. Uh, I've yeah, heard AJ guy. preach, and he's a, also a very good preacher. Yeah, no question. Well, thanks. Uh, I guess one last question I always like to throw out: Are there favorite books that have shaped you? Maybe as a preacher, maybe not as a preacher, but just that yeah. you think are helpful for that. Yeah. Um, I love preaching books. I like, wow, I just wish I had more time. There's like, I got like a hundred preaching books on my desk that I'd like to read. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, Haddon Robinson, who, uh, mm -hmm. you know, is probably a lot of younger preachers may not have heard of, but or maybe not be as familiar with. I'm also a big fan of Tim Keller. Yeah. Um I'm also a big fan of the African-American style of preaching. I just uh, kind of the traditional African-American style. I just find it's just really moving and I think it's really powerful. Um, and um, so, um, but I like to read a lot of books that have nothing to do with pastoral ministry and have nothing to do with preaching. So I read a lot of fiction. I yeah. read a lot of really good fiction. I love short stories. Um and because um, they they get things really concrete, they help you to think very concretely of specific scenes and people and settings. And I just kind of trains your mind and your imagination in that. So I love reading that. Um, and I love reading like uh, history, um, love reading. Um, yeah, just a lot of good journalism, you know, journalism. There's just good journalism just has really helped me as a preacher to see how journalists, really good journalists, like do their craft. Uh, not that it's exactly the same, but um, there's just things we can learn. So again, I just think, you know, all truth is God's truth. And so I just love learning from people. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I can talk about fiction uh, or I can listen to fiction. Do you have a few fiction books that you think, oh, that was just every preacher should read this or everybody should read this? Uh, I love Jaber Jaber yes. by uh, Wendell Berry. Yeah, I was hoping you'd Great. say that one. Yeah. And Andrew, Andy Crouch, you know, at, pre, at uh, Christianity Today, uh, yeah. Andy Crouch is, I, I read him once. He said, he said, I don't trust a preacher who hasn't read Mark Helprin, H-E-L-P-R-I-N. Okay. Hmm. Mark Helprin is an American novelist, uh, still living, still writing. 
And uh, he wrote a book called The, S- the Soldier of the Great War, uh, which was a I've read. So before Andy Crouch said that, so <laughs> I hope Andy Crouch, if he ever hears me, he can trust me now. I think that was a bit of a hyperbole. I, I don't think every great preacher needs to read read good fiction. I'm not saying that. I Some preachers, I, there's some phenomenal preachers that just don't read any fiction. So. Yeah, sure. But yeah. But there's a there's a soul level engagement with good literature that you don't get with a lot of, um, you know, nonfiction work that for me, I need that. Like I need to be I need to be reconnected with those kind of emotions and soul work sometimes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Matt, thanks so much. If somebody wanted to keep up with what's going on, obviously, preaching today dot com. But yeah, you do. A, you have a personal side or the church's website or your Twitter. Where can people keep up with what's going on with you? Preachingday.com has a Twitter, um, but um, I would like to start a blog, but I have not done that yet. So. All right. No pressure. No pressure. Thanks. <laughs> we do do a, a weekly newsletter out of Preachingtoday.com, too, um, where which is kind of more – it's about the content that's coming up, but it's also – I try to do something that's encouraging uh, training, coaching kind of for preachers as well. So Yeah. <clears throat> and what's the church's website? Uh, church is uh, Church Res, R-E-Z. Right. Churchres.org. Got it. All right. Well, Matt, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, John. Really appreciate you coming and uh, sharing some of your experience. And what I really appreciate and respect is just the desire to, like, not I've nailed this, I've got this down, but that you're still learning the craft, too. That's a beautiful thing. It's a great, it's a beautiful craft. I love the craft of preaching. It's yeah. really fascinating, so... There's just so much to learn. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. Thanks again for listening. Be glad to have you go on to iTunes and look up Sermon Smith and leave a review there. If if you've not done that before, that's one of the ways that Amazon helps find popular podcasts as well as make recommendations for other people. So that helps spread the word about the show and, of course, tweets and Facebook updates and all of that. Maybe even Pinterest. Have I ever asked for Pinterest? I don't know how you do it. I'm not a Pinterest guy, but if you want to Pinterest about this podcast please go right ahead. Thanks a lot.